Hello and welcome to Eyewitness Beauty, the podcast where we talk about the biggest stories in the beauty industry each week. I'm Nick Axelrod Welk. And I'm Annie Kriegbaum. Annie, what is the latest in New York City? It's a little rainy today. We're not going to talk about the weather. We have we really devolved to that to that point. I mean, look, there's still not a lot going on. What can I say? Oh, people are getting vac- vaccinated. Apparently, if you go to like a Dwayne Reed and just say like, hey, do you got any extras? They'll put you on a list and they'll give you a call and you can come back really? and you can get a vaccine, even if you're not like in the, the scheduled group. There's also a website that launched a few weeks ago called Dr. B, where you can basically just get on all of this, like, I guess all of the vaccine distribution locations put their have like coordinated their standby list with this website. So if you put your name on this list, then you'll get a notification if there's extras near you. It's high H I D R as in doctor B.com. We'd be remiss if we didn't mention the horrifying news out of Atlanta, Georgia this week, a 21 year old white man shot and murdered eight people in various what a lot of the media is reporting are massage parlors, including a place called the Gold Spa, a place called Young's Asian Massage, and a place called Aromatherapy Spa. This is the latest tragedy in a series of, of tragedies and super horrifying actions against Asian Americans in the country. You can't sort of disentangle the string of violence from the incendiary remarks of our former president against Asian people in the form of the quote-unquote China virus comments that he's made and sort of allowing hate to, you know, fly its flag in America. We're working on a way that we can cover this with sort of add something to the conversation. And if we can add something to the conversation um, which is is sensitive and triggering to a lot of people. So uh, stay tuned for that. I did read an interesting take on this that I think is important and like the very little that we can do to to be additive to the conversation and not detrimental is the lingo used in the coverage. We know the coverage has been like just disgusting of what's happened in the way that they've talked about the shooter and the way that they've been disrespectful to the victims. But just the term massage parlor is how the media has been covering these businesses. As Nick mentioned their names, none of them use that term. I think like the take that I read was this is just another way that the media kind of, you know, knocks down this like community and adds this kind of like salacious spin on these businesses that are in fact like wellness centers. They offer massage, body care. It's a cultural stereotype of the Asian massage parlor. Yeah, we all know the innuendo there. And this isn't a knock on sex workers either. We know that like that is also something to be like sensitive about. But we just wanted to, you know, acknowledge that coverage. And, you know, I didn't realize that when I, I read it. And it made sense to me that like this is another detrimental thing that that the media is like doing to this conversation and this coverage and this community. And so I just thought it was important to point out. Yeah, it's tragic and it's horrifying. And there are plenty and many resources on Instagram, on Twitter, et cetera, of of ways to help combat violence against Asian Americans and hate crimes and discrimination and racism. So there's no good way to segue from that story to the topic of today's episode, which is a Q&A with Annie and myself. We got almost like 100 questions. We've narrowed it down to about 50. We're going to save top stories for next week, and we're going to focus on the Q&A questions. And we hope you enjoy. The first question is from a reader who is looking to replace their beloved Purito with a different sunscreen. Well, I mean, Katie Jane Hughes said it on last week's podcast, Glossier Invisible Shield is a very well-loved clear sunscreen. I think the one complaint is that 
it's a very small size for the price. But right. if you're looking for a sunscreen that is inoffensive to the rest of your skincare routine, to the makeup that comes on after, I think there's really no match to Glossier Invisible Shield. So my issue with facial sunscreens is that I guess I like have a sweaty face, so they drip into my eyes and end up really stinging all day or like they'll drip into my mouth and I'll take it'll like taste chemically all day. The only sunscreen I've ever been able to find that doesn't do that, that kind of stays put, that doesn't leave a white cast is the La Mer facial sunscreen lotion. It is again, a very <laughs> small package. However, you really don't need a lot and it lasts a really long time and it's really the best. I, I promise you, you won't be disappointed. So this next question is, what is some beauty advice that we ignore, i.e. Polish Choice, Paula? <laughs> Her last name is not <laughs> Choice. <laughs> Her last name is not Choice. <laughs> Says, don't massage your face. Yeah. The readership was up in arms about this as you know, we've recommended new face devices, microcurrent devices several times in this podcast. We still have not gotten an answer. Maybe we should email her after this and just see what she has to say. But what, what's some advice that you ignore, Nick? I ignore, I mean, like, okay, this is going to make me a really bad beauty editor. I ignore basically all of the advice. I don't wash my face before I go to bed. Here's a couple of pieces of advice that have stuck with, and I'll sort of say whether I ignore them or not. <laughs> Always wash your face before you go to bed. Even if you don't wear makeup and you're a guy or you're a girl and you don't wear makeup, if you wash your face in the morning and at night, you will notice a visible difference in the clarity of your skin, period. Like your skin will just be happier. It will look better. The grime, the sweat, whatever is collecting on your face during the day, when you wash it off at night before you go to bed, you'll look better. I don't do that. Number two, I remember we spoke to a dermatologist when we were into the gloss who told us where there is a shadow, there's a tan, meaning if you can see a shadow... There's enough sun that there's UV rays, so you need to wear sunscreen, even on a cloudy day, even on a rainy day. If you can put your hand up and you can see your hand's shadow on your desk, you should be wearing sunscreen. I do not do that. I wear sunscreen when I'm going on long drives in the car because I know that the sun hitting your face all day, you know, or for a few hours in direct sunlight in the car is bad. If it's sunny, I'll wear sunscreen, but if it's cloudy and rainy, despite the advice of dermatologists, I I just don't. Bad boy. I know. Very naughty. I'm kind of on a similar thing. I A lot of people freak out about retinol. They think it like really sensitizes your skin to the sun. I've read from several derms. There's actually a really good article about this on Allure that's like a myth-busting article about retinol and sunscreen because my derm told me like you really don't have to worry about it. And you don't have to worry about it. You can totally take your retinol on your beach vacation, use it at night before you go and do your thing in the sun the next day. Retinol will not really... Consult your doctor before taking any advice you receive on Eyewitness Beauty. Look, wear sunscreen if you're going to freaking Oaxaca or whatever, but you can also bring your retinol and it's not going to cause you any problems that any other skincare product Actually, AHAs are really the issue. AHAs in the sun, that's where you need to watch out. Retinol in the sun, have a great time. There you go. This is one for Annie. What is the easiest way to do a smoky eye, and what are the best products to do it with? Okay. Everybody get out your pencils. I am going to tell you the easiest smoky eye that I can come up with for you. I do this a lot. You take the Chanel Stylo... Yo, you, Nick, did you take French? Yeah. yeah. I don't know. Yes, but. <laughs> <laughs> waterproof. It's their retractable eyeliner pencil. They're very smudgy. It says that it's waterproof. I don't know about that. They don't dry immediately, which is nice. Okay, just very like kind of, it doesn't have to be perfect. Smudge it on the outer lash line and also line your waterline with it. Okay. Is this all making sense so far, Nick? Mm -hmm. Take a stiff, small brush you're going to smudge with this brush. I don't care what shape it is really, but it just needs to be stiff and small so you can get like detailed. Take the Chanel Les Four. <laughs> Qua what is four? Uh, quatre. Quatre? Eyeshadow palette? Yeah, it's a little quad eyeshadow palette. 
they have a really nice, beautiful shimmer effect. The key is to get a very subtly shimmer eyeshadow that is not black. Don't do black. You're going to look like a raccoon. Get a dark brown, dark eggplant, dark gray, whatever. You're going to take the darkest shade of the quad with this stiff brush and you're going to smudge the eyeliner that you already put on. You're going to smudge over it and you're going to just kind of like mix them together, like wiggle it into your upper lash line and kind of like wing it out a little bit. If you prefer to have eyeliner or a little shadow on your lower lash line, I personally don't because I have really long lower lashes. I think it makes me look too raccoony. But if you like that look, just take the residue from your brush. Don't add any more product. Less is more through this whole thing. A lot of people, what they get wrong with a smoky eye is they think it's like the more they line with more. Yeah. It's like Avril Lavigne. It's like, that's not what it's about. Take the residue from the brush, wiggle it into your lower lashes. Okay. Now you're going to take a small fluffy brush that is like a rounded shape. Take in the quad, the next lightest color. Again, Black is a no-no. Just because it really, it reads too harsh. It's too harsh. This is supposed to be an easy smoky eye. So like we're not getting editorial. Got it. Take this second lightest shade. I prefer like a grayish. And you're going to like just dust it into your crease. And I like to like dust it out a little bit to elongate the sides of my eyes. Okay. We do this as a tutorial on our Instagram so that. Or like with a live that we can say. Look, I can't make any promises with Instagram. We say it all the time and then we never follow through. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> no, I, this one is really just a visual, you know, like this is, this lends itself to a visual medium. Okay. I'm almost done. I'm things. almost done. I'm almost done. Okay. Now you're going to take a Q-tip. This is the most important part, a clean Q-tip. And you're going to remove the waterline liner. You're not going to get it all. That's a twist. Because now it has been perfectly smudged into your lashes. And this is how you get that like kind of like sexy, like like lived in smoky eye. Just trust me. And then mascara, okay. mascara. I'm going to make you do this as a live, okay? Nick, I'm a, I'm a busy guy. I don't know. Fine. Next question. What are the best eye creams, gels, or serums? I can't find one that does anything. I'm going to let you take this. I think they're a scam. Oh, okay. I don't use eye cream. I thought you did. You've recommended it on the, sh- on the podcast. I, I've stopped. <laughs> there was a Shiseido one that comes in a little pink dish that I used to use, but I just... You also recommended the Naturium one. Did you not? Yeah, because I was using that one too. And then I just, I was like, who am I going to see today? No one. And I just stopped. <laughs> I told you I don't wash my face. And I, I think up. this is sounding like I'm depressed, but yeah, I, uh, I think they're kind of a scam, which is why I don't think you should spend too much money. If you were going to use one, I like that Naturium one. It's kind of balm-like. It doesn't slip and slide everywhere. It doesn't leave a shine. So sometimes I think with an eye cream, you like put it on in the morning, always use the pads of your fingers to pat it on. And then you'll go about your day. And oftentimes like you'll look more tired because they'll be shiny. Like your under eyes will be shiny and like reflecting light. I think you kind of have to take the shine away with like a napkin or a Kleenex or something so that it just looks moisturized. But I generally like in COVID times that we're all putting on moisturizer every morning is, you know, is a miracle in and of itself. Yeah, I think in that same vein, this next question is asking thoughts on layering products. Can they negate each other? I'm going to just like kind of take a left turn with this question and say like, it's not about layering products. Mixing. No, actually, I was going to say, I think I just want to recommend that people kind of pair it all back. Layering products is one of life's great mysteries. They're going to pill. They're not going to work with your makeup. We all love to experiment with beauty products. We're trying new ones all the time. It's kind of impossible to tell what is going to like work best with the next thing. I mean, you always hear from people say like layer, like the thinnest product to like the thickest, which is like usually like an oil product that will like seal everything in at the end. But my thing is like concentrate on like one product that's your like active for a daytime and nighttime, and then just add a very easy, unscented, totally inoffensive moisturizer over it and just like call it a day. Keep it simple. Yeah, you can't do too many things on one day. It's like saying you want to find the perfect outfit to like go to the gym and then go out to dinner. That doesn't <laughs> exist. You have to pick one or the other. 
So if your thing is about vitamin C, then shake some vitamin C powder into your hyaluronic acid serum, put that on, put some moisturizer on, put some SPF on. I just layered <laughs> and call yeah. it. But I'm just saying like you're not <laughs> sealing it in with this and like doing it that. I think you're right that you ha- kind of have to choose your own adventure or choose your what's your goal and focus on that and don't mix too many things because also your skin can get sensitized. When I was putting everything under the sun on my face and into the gloss. I had to go to the dermatologist and basically they were like, you've sensed, like I I never had sensitive skin. And and the dermatologist said like, you've totally sensitized your skin by changing and using all these acids and all these different things that I had never used. So like, you have to be careful. I like this question. Did Annie and Kat Marnell ever overlap at previous jobs? No. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, next question. (laughs) Are facials a sham? Better to save your money for lasers. I think facials can be amazing. And personally, I've actually seen better results from a facial at Aida Bacage in New York than I have with any laser. I think lasers, you have to go, whatever, three or four times to start to see a difference. And also the issues that I'm trying to combat with lasers is more texture and wrinkles and skin laxity. And I think that the differences that lasers can make are much more subtle than if you were dealing with, say, acne scars or hyperpigmentation. You can really see dramatic differences with lasers. With facials, like you leave a facial with Sophia at Aida Bacage, and it's like you are glowing. You could go right out to dinner. It's incredible. I avoid a facial that involves extractions. I don't think that it pays to like look like shit for two weeks after you get a facial. I feel like facials should be like making you feel good and looking good. So that's my thing on facials. I agree with everything you just said. In your top shelf experience, reads the next question, what is the most popular skincare product among celebrities? Oh, I, when I read this, I just read product. I didn't realize it was skincare specifically. I think it would be more relevant to talk about what we think it would be now versus what it was <laughs> six years ago during ITG days. I think now I would say Augustinus, Bader, the Rich Cream. Yes, or the Barbara Sturm, right? Yeah, there's a hyaluronic acid by Barbara Sturm and the Rich Cream by Augustinus Bader that people on Instagram are saying is amazing, but also like in people that I've talked to are, uh, you know, like that world is completely obsessed with people who can buy anything really do love those products. What is the most expensive product that you swear by? I would say a facial at Shibui Spa at the Greenwich Hotel. (laughs) So how do you leave the facial? Like, do you leave glowing or do you need like a few days to recuperate? No, you leave glowing. It's Probably exactly what you're saying, Akita Bacaj. Aida Bacaj. Yeah, what you said. Yeah, I think a facial, actually a lot of my answers on this list have to do with facials. I guess like we're like pro-facial on this podcast. I just like immediate results. What about you, Nick? My most expensive product that I swear by is a fragrance because fragrances are, it's like sometimes hard to swallow how much a little bit of alcohol and water and some drops of fragrance oil can cost, but What's it called? My Holy Grail, um, as the kids like to say. No. Is that what the kids say? Not anymore. Those okay. The kids that used to say Holy Grail are like adults now. <laughs> Carnal Flower by Frederick Mall is a fragrance that I wear. I think it's technically more of like a feminine scent, but I love it. It is $195 for 30 ml and up to $390 for 100 ml. So it's a huge indulgence but as everyone knows like with fragrance they do last a while it's unique it's floral but it's kind of musky and everyone always asks me what I'm wearing Mm, I want to smell it it's really good I don't think I've actually ever been in the presence of a Frederick Mall product to me like carnal flower is the best there's portrait of a lady which is pretty good I like their packaging. I like like the weird like Windex looking bottles (laughs) that the room spray is coming yeah they're cool Okay, next question. This person asks, what are the most skin-like concealers with good coverage? My tip here is to get a concealer palette because none of us have one color all over our face. So if you really want the most natural skin-like look, get a small palette 
that has a range of shades and undertones that will work for you for different parts of your face. Your under eyes need like one color, you know, to cover your zits, you might need another. Maybe some days you got a little bit more sun, you need to mix a slightly darker shade in there. My favorite is the Cryolun Dermacolor palette. There's nothing that's coming through it. It is full, full, full coverage, but you can blend it out really beautifully. The finish is like not dewy at all, but also not matte. It's perfect. It's so perfect. I will say it did sometimes break me out. So just be careful. But isn't the point of a concealer to like cover a breakout? Nick, come on. We're just taking this day by day. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Next question is pores, blackheads, sebum plugs. Do we need to extract them? Is it bad? What kind of post-care should we do? Help. Number one, I just love that I learned about sebum plugs on TikTok. I feel like it's like a new term that we're all using now. I think the answer is you try, try your absolute hardest not to do anything yourself because you can't create a sterile environment and you could, it could get infected. It could cause a scar. You want to really go to a dermatologist if you have something that's really concerning you or like a facialist who you trust to get rid of blackheads for pores you can do lasers like a clear and brilliant laser which is a pretty like low impact laser that can help diminish the appearance of pores i think just try to not diy it but if you do you could become really famous on social media for like extraction videos I will say just don't touch your nose and like the skin to either side of your nose because those pores, once you stretch them out by like squeezing at them and pulling at them and trying to get stuff out of them, they don't bounce back. (laughs) You're going to just have big pores. A hawk-eyed reader asks, any recommendations or tips for keeping your back clear when you have super long hair? Meaning like back knee with super long hair. Annie alluded to this problem in an episode And do we have any recommendations? Refresh readers why this all would happen. Well, first of all, if you use shampoo, whatever, you rinse it out. Then you put conditioner on, which has ingredients in it that are meant to add moisture and kind of seal your hair. Okay, so like you don't really want that on your skin because that will then seal. Including like silicones, which... Oils, yeah, yeah, which will like clog your pores and seal in dirt and gunk and stuff in your pores. And so imagine you're in the shower... You put conditioner in your hair and then you're taking a shower. It's all sitting on your back or you rinse it off and all that like all that product is like now dripping down your body. It's getting all in your pores. That's not great. Uh, there, you know, some people recommend like to then wash your body after you rinse your hair out. I try to just get in the shower and get out. I think that like that's too many steps. And I also like to shampoo my hair first. If I do use conditioner, which I'm about to tell you something that's going to blow your mind. If I do use conditioner, I put it up in a bun. So it kind of like soaks, it doesn't touch my body and it kind of, I don't know, gets hot and gives myself a little treatment in a bun on my head. And then I wash my body and then I flip my head over so that the hair is like over the drain being rinsed versus falling over my body and getting rinsed. But my biggest hair breakthrough is I just shampoo it now and I don't do anything else. When you have so much hair, if you're adding conditioner, it's like, Think about all that product that's just like sitting on you. It just gets so weighed down and so heavy. It doesn't really do anything. Honestly, it, it doesn't. It might for like the first day, but then it's going to look really bad the next day when your hair is this long. So just don't use conditioner. Don't use product either because product, same thing. It's silicones, it's oils, smoothing products, leave-in conditioners. If you wear a tank top, if you don't wear clothes to bed, even if you're trying your darndest to separate your hair from the skin on your back with fabric from like a t-shirt or whatever it's still gonna like end up on your body skin and cause breakouts unfortunately does that answer your question nick can you use like a paula's choice aha solution on your back if you do get breakouts yeah of course yeah yeah and people get body acne for like all sorts of different reasons but this is just long hair product specific solve Here's a question that I'm dying to know the answer to. A reader asks, how did Annie become so cool? Hashtag it girl. (laughs) Well, it all started when Nick plucked me out of obscurity and shaped me and molded me into the woman I am today. 
And if I, as like a, an outside observer had to say how you became so cool, I would say that you kind of do follow the beat of your own drum and you're not, you know, even though we've gotten some comments <laughs> about how like you seem like you're like so cool or whatever, like you're honestly like very, in a lot of ways, sort of unfiltered and unselfconscious and kind of realistic about yourself. And I think that that confidence makes you cool. And also just honesty. Thank you, Nick. That's so sweet. What I love about you too, is you're always like up on like, what's cool before it's like going to be cool. Like you called ultra mini Uggs. I mean, what can I say? I just, I saw them. I saw what they did to ankles. I saw the proportions they created. <laughs> yeah. You saw how they could transform an ankle. Come on. They cut you at the they smallest do. part of your leg. Oof. It's just, I know. I know. I mean, now I know why, you know, back in the day, like they made women wear full length skirts. When you see an ankle like that, it's. Yeah. It's very arousing. <laughs> anyway, you know what? We were talking about doing merch. I think we should do like an eyewitness ultra mini UGG. If anybody listening has the connect at UGGs, we specifically do want to collaborate on an ultra mini. We know that they will collaborate with anyone. Next question. I haven't found any moisturizers that hydrate well. Any suggestions or serum options? I have two. I am like a hydration maniac. And my two, I don't remember if we included this in the interview or whether it got cut for time, but Amanda Chantal Bacon, founder of Moon Juice, has a plumping serum, which is a hyaluronic acid serum, which is amazing. And it has rose water, so it smells really, really good. And you mix that with like a vitamin C powder and it's chef's kiss. And what her pro tip was is you like keep your face like wet, oh, yeah. like soaking wet. Mm -hmm. Then you add the plumping serum, or I think it's called plumping jelly, with a dash of vitamin C. Excuse me. Nick is Had patting his face, his face. <laughs> on a wet face and it'll feel like you kind of have like a slimy layer, but then like four seconds later, it's absorbed into your skin. I was asking her what was something that she uses or does that like she sees an instant result from. And this was what she told me to do. And I agree. You feel like just plumper and better, more moisturized, more hydrated. My second one is still... Glossier Priming Moisturizer Rich. If you like a rich cream, it is a really good one. It's not the cleanest of the clean, but you know what? I'm, I'm a dirty guy. Moving on. Well, we can't answer Glossier ITG gossip. I asked you whether you thought we could do like a blind item, but, but like, like, do we just not? In what, what, in what sense? Like this <laughs> claims she, <laughs> but she actually. No, don't include that, Jessamine. Jessamine, you can just do like a really long bleep for all of that. Yeah. Okay, what workouts are you both doing? We're going to keep this quick because I feel like we've answered it before. I've been doing this CrossFit kind of thing five to six days a week at a place called Amp. It has saved my mind and my husband Casey's mind during COVID. It's outside. You're in a box, meaning like just like a taped out box, not like a plastic box. And it's your, your heart rate gets up, you tone muscle, you feel better, mind, body, mind, body. Namaste. What about you? I have to walk to my office <laughs> and home every day. And that's about the amount of physical activity I get. I did go to my trainer for the first time since before COVID last week. And I was out of commission for five days afterwards. I was in so much pain. I could not walk downstairs. Um, I couldn't stand up. I couldn't sit down. It was miserable. I don't know that I'll ever work out again. I love the feeling of being sore. I did too. And I you look, feel so I, accomplished. No, I'm telling you this time it was different. This time it was like, maybe I'm just getting older. You know, our bodies go through like changes. And I think my body's just saying like, Physical activity is not for you. It's not I know. your thing anymore. But I need you to be around for a long time. I need you to get that heart rate up for at least 30 minutes, like, you know, five times a week. Well, that's why I trade my Haribos for Smart Sweets. <laughs> there you go. Annie, what is your must-have makeup product and why? Probably a brow gel or wax and concealer. And that's just because I, it's more of just like my brows, I think, because they're so long and curly can be distracting to people. 
I personally don't need it, but really people actually do comment on my brows a lot. Strangers in the street, it can be really frustrating. So I do need to like brush them and hold them in place and then concealer just for like, in case I run into anybody, basically, if, in case I ran into a guy like dated or whatever. And I had like some zits on my face that would just make me feel better about the situation. But must have, I, I don't know, most days I don't wear makeup, to be honest. How do you choose between a dermatologist or an esthetician? And I'm not exactly sure what this question means, like meaning like how do you choose one, like what criteria to look for, or like how do you choose between going to either a dermatologist or an esthetician? I would say if you need a mole removed, you go to a dermatologist. And if you want a facial, you go to an esthetician. I know dermatologists offer facials on their menus. I bet they're not the most popular thing on their menus. I mean, like the good thing about both dermatologists and estheticians, as we know from LA Beautyologist, is that they're both like licensed credentialed professions. So unlike a life coach, you know that you're going to someone who has a certain amount of training in cleanliness protocols and sanitation and also in the anatomy related to what they're working on, types of skin, skin problems, etc. The next question, are silk pillowcases mandatory? No. No, they're so expensive. Don't you like to have like two or four pillows on your bed? You're really going to buy four so that they match. And also silk is cheesy. Aesthetically, it's not worth the aesthetic potential benefit. Yeah. Okay. Another facial question. A lot of facial questions. I know. Do you get facials and what treatments are worth the splurge? I think if you have an event like a wedding or something like that, and you get a facial, like great use of money. If you know you have a few weeks, like three weeks to recover, I'd say Botox from someone you trust and you've gotten it before would be great. You know, a great, you'd get a great return on your investment for like an event. But I don't think like people who get facials once a month, it's never been something I really understood. This person's asking, I need the intel on scalp or hair products for trichotillomania. I wanted to ask a doctor because I didn't feel like you or I were qualified to answer this. And I got an answer from our friend, Dr. Jessica Weiser in New York City. She says trichotillomania is technically a psychiatric diagnosis. It's a compulsive need to pull out hair. Medications are targeted towards OCD and not the scalp or the hair, unfortunately. So the best answer would be to sort of attack the issue from, you know, a psychiatric standpoint versus trying to fill in the hair that you're compulsively removing. Any self-tanners that are worth the effort to apply and maintain? So there's this guy that I follow on Instagram named Joey Zazig, and he is so tan. <laughs> And it looks like like he goes to a tanning bed, but he says he doesn't. And so I just DM'd him, and he has a recipe. He also wants to come on the podcast, but he has his own concoction. And he uses this brand called Tan Lux, which is out of England. I've seen it before. It's a very sort of simple bottle with like a sans serif font that says Tan Lux. And he says he uses Tan Lux the face, and he uses three to four drops with their Super Glow Serum, and it's a game changer for the face. And for the body, he uses that too, but he uses acetophil lotion. He mixes three to four drops of the body Tan Lux product, which is, you know, like a concentrated tanner in shade medium. And he applies that to each part of the body. So that's three to four drops per arm, per leg, etc. And he says there's nothing better. And I like when you see his tan. I'm looking right now. I just looked him up as you were like talking about yeah. this. He's very tan. <laughs> yeah. So and it doesn't look fake. It looks. No, good. it looks like he has like a tan filter. Yeah. And it's not. So I just feel like take it from him. Tan Lux, the face, a few drops in your moisturizer. Tan Lux, the body, a few drops in just any old lotion, it sounds like. And you're good to go. I'm sold. Me too. Joey, 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 Joey. Okay. How do I get on Byredo's, Byredo's PR list? So Byredo, they have a company called Carla Auto in New York City who manages their 
U.S. public relations. So the best way to get on their PR list would be to email Carla Otto, not to email someone at Byredo. And and that probably stands for most brands um, if you want to get on their PR list. The technique that I always use that seems to get me somewhere or at least point me in the right direction is usually I'll Google the brand name plus PR contact. And honestly, Google nine out of 10 times delivers whether they'll like be able to find a press release that at the end of the press release has a PR contact or whether it will take you to like the contact page of their website. Like you'll, you'll usually be able to be pointed in the right direction. The other, can you hear that? Is that my baby crying? Oh my God, it is. Hold on. I do hear that. Is it coming through your phone? Yeah. Because Nick is not at home. He's at his office. <laughs> no, I'm not. I have this Nanit. You can see it. Like I'm seeing live footage of my baby. You can watch it on your phone oh, and also put is. the sound on background so you can still hear it. Anyway, this is all a long way of saying the other way I've found PR contacts is by DMing the brand. But if you don't have a platform and you just want to kind of get free shit... My advice would be to like find one of those. There's a couple of different companies that are like micro influencer networks where you basically sign up and include your social profile, et cetera. And like, I think you like say how much you would charge for a post or a mention. And then some brands will select you to send product to, you know, is it by Rado? No. But is it free? Yes. Okay, our biggest skincare regrets and or best skincare decision you've made. My biggest regret is, do you guys remember, just kind of close your eyes, think back to, I don't know, 2010, 2011. Everybody was putting fucking apple cider vinegar all over everything. (laughs) Just straight up apple cider vinegar. And for some reason... I got on that train. Walking around like salads. Like salads. And yeah, I basically ruined my moisture barrier on my face. My skin was just a total wreck. I had just moved to New York to be a beauty editor, and I did this to myself. (laughs) Classic beauty editor dumb shit that we do. And then when I started it into the gloss, I actually had terrible, terrible skin because it was still recovering. It took me about a year for my skin to get back to its former self. Yeah, my biggest regret is sensitizing my skin by like just thinking the more acids, the merrier. And that's just not true. Treat your skin with profound respect and also know that what works for someone doesn't work for everyone. And also it's really easy to disrupt barrier. And oftentimes, though, it's not the sexiest product, like a soothing, gentle product will oftentimes be like the best one to use. It's why dermatologists love Cetaphil and CeraVe because they're just like so inoffensive and not harsh that they're not going to fuck your face up. Okay, coffee or matcha and what kind? Black coffee. The stronger, the better. I like Alfred in LA. And I actually started mail ordering beans to my house because I was spending too much money at Alfred from a place called Aldo's Coffee in Long Island. And they ship anywhere in the U.S., Yeah, I'm a coffee person, and lately I've been getting an Americano with steamed milk on the way to work every morning, but I do also really like to grind my own coffee at home. I have like a cute little brawn, like I went on Etsy and looked up like an old brawn countertop coffee grinder like my parents used to have, because I remember when they used to grind coffee beans like as a kid when I was growing up. Yeah. Yeah, it's very nostalgic, and it's like a little ritual. And that brawn coffee grinder, I want to say, was designed by, like, Dieter Rams. Yeah, it definitely has that look. It's very chic. Also, I'm really into, like, Soviet-era kitchen appliances, but you have to get them rewired if you want to use them in the U.S. And for beans, La Colombe, I love La Colombe. They actually also have this, it tastes like a milkshake. It's their oat milk latte that they have on draft. It oh, yeah, they're like, amazing, yeah. <laughs> I, I went through a phase. I think when I was visiting you, Nick, or I was like spending a lot of time in LA at one point. And I was like getting one of these a day. And I was just like, <laughs> it truly is like yeah, having a milkshake a day. What's a niacinamide that's not sticky on the face like the ordinary? Nick, do you have a suggestion? I have one. I like the Naturium niacinamide. I like the Peach and Lily Glass Skin Serum. I want to try that. I've heard about it. Okay, this is a good question for Annie. How can we be more sustainable in our skincare choices? One really easy way 
which will also save you product in the long run or in the short run, whatever, is to stop using cotton pads or cotton balls to apply liquid products to your face, like a toner or like the Polish Choice skin perfecting product that we love. You can just shake it into your hands. I know it's liquidy. It'll be okay. And then pat it straight on your face with your hands. I think sheet masks have got to go. Unfortunately, anything that's in single use packaging is just, it's not the way into the future. Don't run the water when you're brushing your teeth or washing your face, like turn it on and off. Every little bit counts. And I think brands do listen to their customers when you say, and I think, you know, say it in a nice way, respectful way, like, hey, you guys use a lot of packaging in your shipments or, hey, this thing feels like it uses too much material and the way that you've made this jar, you know, I think there's no reason for them to change those things if they're not getting any sort of like critical feedback. Yep. Here's a good question. I'd love to hear from Nick how he manages ADHD. It would actually be interesting to do an an episode on ADHD because it's obviously a diagnosis that gets a lot of shit because it's like everyone has ADHD and the over-prescribing of stimulants. People think that it's like cocaine or the same active ingredient in meth like or whatever. My personal experience has been I was diagnosed with ADHD, primarily inattentive type. When I was 18 at Johns Hopkins, I did like the full battery of testing. And that's when I received an official diagnosis. I find honestly that medication really helps. I was on Adderall for quite a long time. My issue with Adderall was that you slowly become a little bit more accustomed to it. So you have to kind of titrate up on your dosage after a while. And there's a max to how much you want to take and how much someone will prescribe you. So I've been on a Vyvanse trip for the last few months and really, really liking it. Vyvanse is an extended release stimulant, which was created to combat the abuse of stimulants like Adderall and Ritalin. Because with Vyvanse, you can't crush it and snort it. It somehow is activated by like your stomach acid versus going into your bloodstream. And don't quote me on that. But basically, you can't abuse it. It's abuse proof from like a snorting perspective. But I like it because it lasts longer. I don't experience big dips. So with Adderall, I would take it twice a day and I would sort of feel plugged in and then I would feel out of it. One thing I'm trying to do very consciously is take more Adderall vacations, I call them, where I like don't take Adderall or stimulants for a few weeks just to like sort of let my body recalibrate. And also because if you even take a few weeks, you can kind of reset your tolerance, which I think is a good thing. And also I think an important tip that I've learned is Find a really good psychiatrist who you're working with and who's, you know, managing it with you and not just someone who will give you whatever you want. I don't think that's like the responsible or the best choice when it comes to managing any kind of psychiatric disorder. I think finding someone who's pretty conservative, but really well informed and keeps up to date with the latest studies, et cetera, is really great. You know, I like feel guilty about being on drugs all the time. So it's an ongoing struggle. What are your thoughts on preventative Botox? Queen Paula endorsed it. Everyone has been talking about this moment from our interview, including my mother, that Paula was pro-Botox and pro particularly like getting it before you quote unquote need it before your lines get deeper. And a dermatologist I went to several years ago explained it best, which is basically that wrinkles and lines are grooves that are made from, you know, you expressing and gravity. And the more time that goes by, the more gravity happens. And the more times you smile and squint and do all the things that create the lines, the deeper those grooves will be. If you start to get Botox when the lines are more shallow, then they're never going to get too deep. However, I do know some people who started getting Botox 10 years ago and who've really found that it's thinned out their skin and that I think the problem is like if you're going to someone who has a really heavy hand with Botox, it can just like even cause your face to droop in some places because 
all the tension that you have in the muscles, like in your forehead, for example, will then be released and like then it'll actually drop your face, not raise your face, which I think is the thing we're all looking for. So just I think a sprinkle of Botox, less is more, is the way to go. But definitely like I wouldn't start Botox until you're in your 30s. And like the masseter Botox, I know, has become really popular. But when I was talking to your husband about it, he was saying like, no, that's not always the best solution because like you just said, you lose the muscle tone there. And that muscle on the back sides of your jaw is what holds up the area that when it starts drooping, we call jowls. So it's like you kind of have to think about the long-term repercussions of the short-term gain of freezing your face with Botox. I think getting older is super hot. I think you only get more attractive when you get older, to be honest. I agree. Last question. Are we over clean beauty? If you've ever listened to the podcast before, you've probably heard me complain about this term being used in the industry because it doesn't mean anything. I do think there's like a bit of an elitist vibe to it. Nick, I don't know if you have anything to add here. I mean, I'm not over it. I think being conscious about the ingredients in everything that you're eating or putting on your face or in your hair or whatever is important and like paying attention to that stuff is good. I think we don't need any more clean beauty brands. I think really figuring out from an industry standpoint, like really figuring out like what like problem you're trying to solve is like clean beauty has been solved. Like you can find clean beauty products. You can find clean dupes for your favorite other skincare products easily. I think in the future, everything is clean beauty. So now we kind of have to relook at what clean beauty means and what the standards are and clean according to whom. Actually, CR fashion book just like coincidentally wrote a whole piece about this. Like, are we over clean beauty basically? And they interviewed the drunk elephant founder, Tiffany Masterson, who I guess I didn't realize this, but she's claiming in the article that she started the term in the industry. She chose the term clean to describe her brand because Sephora, when they went into Sephora, they were like, hey, we need three like adjectives to describe drunk elephant. So she came up with clean compatible and clinical but she didn't she's saying in the article that it got like co-opted by the industry started popping up everywhere and it wasn't the way that she intended for it to be interpreted in terms of drunk elephant and i think that she is not a fan of how it's being used and she agrees that it doesn't really mean anything yeah i co-sign that i think that we've answered enough questions for the day we'll do another q a in the future so We'll collect questions as they come in. If there's anything we talked about that you want us to expand upon, let us know. And we're not going to do a product of the week this week because we already recommended a bunch of stuff, but we will be back next week with our products of the week, hopefully with some reader submitted ones. But we do have an arts and culture moment. Cue music. If you like 90s celebrity culture, there's a new documentary on Hulu called Kid 90 by Soleil Moonfry, a.k.a. Punky Brewster, who, you know, kids in my generation will remember from TV as that lovable little rascal with a, like, old man friend. I forget what the, how the old man and the lovable little rascal came together, but they did. Anyway, Soleil Moonfry was young in Hollywood in the 90s when Leonardo DiCaprio was coming on the scene and Brad Renfro and the the Pussy Posse. And it was sort of like the... The what? It was Leonardo DiCaprio, Lucas Haas. Lucas Haas? Tobey Maguire, Kevin uh, from Entourage. Kevin, you know, the short E. So basically, long story short, she carried around a video camera everywhere she went when she was partying and living her life as a teenager and then in her early 20s. And this was a time before social media. So, and there was before the internet. So like no one was concerned that this footage was going to go anywhere. So people were really just completely unselfconscious and did not care about being filmed. And it didn't carry the same weight that it does now. And so, you know, after sealing all this footage that she made in the 90s in a vault, she 
looked at everything, re-edited it, and produced this documentary that is like a fascinating, guilty pleasure kind of look at what it was like to be famous in the 90s. And there's footage of Stephen Dorff and the guy from Sugar Ray, like all the people who were famous in the 90s and hanging out and going to clubs and all that stuff are seen in a totally raw form. And then a lot of them, like Brian Austin Green from Beverly Hills 90210, she like is still very close with and she ends up sort of showing the footage to him and having him on camera sort of talking about what does he think when he sees the footage. Anyway, it's an hour and a half long. It's called Kid 90 on Hulu and I loved it. Soleil Moonfry. Ooh, I can't wait to watch it. Thank you, Nick. I think that's it. Oh, I have an arts and culture for our readers. Oh, go. This podcast. So... <laughs> Nick is the numbers guy. I don't get into the data, but he did tell me that the Katie Jane Hughes episode has been listened to a bunch, which no surprise. I think she's so interesting and so like wonderful. And our numbers are doing really well, obviously because of you guys. And if you want to help us out, think of someone that you think would like our podcast. Maybe they're into beauty. Maybe they're into wellness. Maybe they love vocal fry and send it to them make them listen. Let's get these numbers up. And like, maybe we can do cooler stuff in the future and not fade into obscurity. But thank you so much that you've listened to this point. Iowa Disputy is produced by Jessamine Molly of Seaplane Armada. Our album art is by Simon Abronowitz and our theme music, including our arts and culture music is by the genius one and only Danny Prezant. And research assistance is typically provided by Alicia Bansall, but today we were riding solo. We'll be back next week with another brand new episode, so we will talk with you then. Love you. Bye-bye now. Bye.